brilliant. All right, if that's for me, that's good enough, but can you take about 60 seconds and honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and maker of heaven and earth? Come on. God, we bless you. God, we magnify you. God, we worship you. There is none like you in all the earth, Jesus. Man, I am at the Connect Church. One of the things I've discovered is you could be so close to something that you take it for granted. And you think like this is normal and average, and it takes your brother from another mother to let you know this church is not normal, it's not average. People don't get to walk into a move of God like this every time. This is special. This is an atmosphere where miracles take place. You know, the Bible says wherever two or three are gathered in his name there, he will be also. Look around, there's more than two people, which means if there's more than two, then God is here. And if God is here, healing is here, and freedom is here, and business ideas are here, and hearts are here. This is an atmosphere of miracles. And I'm telling you, God has something in store for you today. Look at your neighbor. Come on, find somebody and just tell them there's a miracle with your name on it. Come on, find somebody. Tell them there's a, there's a miracle with your name on it. And I know for a fact that God does not just move everywhere. He, he moves in a place where his presence is going to be stewarded well. And one of the reasons why God is able to do what he's doing through Connect Church is because of the phenomenal leadership that God has given you and your pastors. Can you honor Pastor Derek and Pastor Stacy? We are grateful, grateful, grateful for you. We're not just friends, but we truly are spiritual brothers. I'm the brother that got the good looks, and uh, he's the one that got the muscles. So God split it down the middle. Hey, go ahead and grab your seat, and as you sit down, go ahead and grab your Bible and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 17. And while you turn, I want to show you why I am more blessed than you are. And I know blessings are not a competition, and it's not a competition because I win and you don't because my family is better looking than your family. If they throw a picture up of my family, you will see. You know, it, it is what it is. Don't blame me. Blame your mama. But anyway, standing behind me is my beautiful wife. I call her my African queen. She hails from Sierra Leone, West Africa. Her name is Zai Chandler. And Pastor Derek was not lying. The only reason they invited me is because they couldn't book her because that woman is anointed of God and is a better preacher than me, which really ticks me off, but that's okay. And then standing next to me is my oldest. Her name is Zoe. She's six years old. Her rapper name is Zozo. On my other side is my twin, my son. He's five. His name is Roman. His rapper name is Roro. And then on my lap is my unsaved, not a Christian, doesn't know Jesus, fallen angel of a two-year-old. Her name is Jade Mariah, and her rapper name is J-Mo. Somebody say J-Mo. Don't pray for J-Mo. Pray for Stephen, because that two-year-old has me under a trance. She gets whatever she wants. She is spoiled rotten, and I do not care. She controls me and uses her cuteness for evil. But I'm excited because my children are in Maryland, and I'm in Boston, y'all. My wife's going to be mad, but I got the best sleep last night I've gotten in about six years, and I am ready to preach. 
so let's do this. Also, I had the amazing privilege of writing a book. It actually just came out called Stop Waiting for Permission. And it, it's available wherever books are sold, Amazon and all that other kind of stuff. God's just briefed on this book. It actually ended up getting uh, featured on Good Morning America and all these just crazy places that I couldn't have predicted. But it's not just some cute message I came up with, my top 10 or whatever it may be. But it really is this story that God took me on of a 16-year-old kid who grew up in a small church and thought there wasn't much special to him, to literally God using me to impact thousands of lives. And here's the idea of the book. We serve a great God. Somebody say amen. amen. And we were made in the image of God. Can I get one more amen? amen? So there's no way a great God can make insignificant people. There's no way a great God can make people and there not be greatness on the inside of every single one of us. And what happens is we underestimate who we are because we don't know who we are in Christ. I don't care your story. I don't care your past. There is greatness on the inside of you. God desires to do amazing things through your life. So I pray that that book encourages you and gets you on a journey of maximizing all that God has for you. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 17, if you're ready, somebody say, yeah. yeah. Here it goes. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also. If you hide anything from me, all of the things that he said to you. Let me pause and give you some context, and then I'll pick up at verse 18. This is the young prophet named Samuel. Somebody say Samuel. Samuel is set apart unto God because his mother was unable to have children. She was barren, crying out to God, can I please give birth? And she was not able to for years and years and years. Let me pause and can I preach to you just for a second. If there is something you are believing God for, something you're praying for, something you're bombarding heaven for, and it is taking longer than you want, hear me. God is not ignoring you. God has not said no. Anything that takes longer that you want is going to be bigger than you're praying for and bigger than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. Hannah couldn't understand why she couldn't have children. God knew it's because you only want a son. I'm going to give you a prophet and a revivalist and a voice to the nation. She finally got to a place where she said, God, you ever, you ever, you ever made a deal with God? God, if I get this job, I promise I'll go to church every day of my life. Just, <laughs> Hannah made one of those deals, and she said, God, if you give me a child, I will give him back to you. She gave birth to a child. It was Samuel. Ended up being the prophet to the nations. She kept her word to God. So after he was able to eat table food, she took him to the temple of God and left him there with the priest Eli. She would bring him clothes every single year, not knowing that God had removed his favor from Eli, the current priest. And was going to use Samuel as his vocal piece. So here it is, Samuel growing. And because he was young, he had never heard the voice of God before. So one night, God begins to call to Samuel. And Samuel didn't recognize the voice. So Samuel ran, hear me, to his pastor, Eli, and said, did you call me? And Eli said, I didn't call you. I don't know what happened. Go back to bed. Hear me. As we're learning to recognize the voice of God and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, oftentimes the way we learn is through the voice of our pastor. As we hear the preached word of God, it helps us recognize the spoken word to our spirit. 
So Samuel ran a second time and said, Eli, I heard somebody call me. It must have been you. Here's what I'm confused with. I knew why Samuel couldn't recognize the voice of God because Samuel had never heard God's voice. What I didn't understand is why did Eli, who had been walking with God for decades, not recognize the voice of God? Come on now. Just because we were intimate with God 10 years ago doesn't mean we are right now. It takes a daily decision of God, not my will, but your will be done. And the second Eli began to put his will above God's will, the sensitivity to God's voice decreased. It wasn't until the third time that Eli realized, oh, duh, it's God. He said, Samuel, next time you hear this voice, say, here's your servant. I'm listening. And Samuel did, and God began to speak. And here's what God said in verse 18. Then Samuel told his mentor, his pastor, Eli, here's what God told me. And he hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, watch this, and let none of his words fall to the So for the rest of Samuel's life, God says, Samuel, whatever you say, I'll do. Come on, somebody say, I want that. I want that. Okay, how cool would that be? That whatever you say happens, God is going to make it come to pass. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel, here's a phrase, had been established by God. As a prophet of the Lord, then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful. We can imagine with all of this faith in this room, God, what you're able to do. God, you're able to heal. You're able to deliver. You're able to transform. You're, you're able to download business ideas. You're able to bring breakthrough in God. We say have your way. Do it in our midst. And as you speak, God, we will obey. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, somebody shout amen and amen and amen. I, uh, I don't think I'm that old. I feel old some days. I'm 36 years old, and that's not old except those random Tuesdays when it's raining and you wake up and your knee says, I'm not going to work with you. You're on your own. I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to remember Map Quest. I feel like that is the demarcator of old or young. Anybody in this room, you remember back in the day, Map Quest, before you had your Garmin, before there was a GPS, before you had Siri to tell you where to go? If you were going to leave the 20 mile radius around your house that you memorized, you had to get on a computer and type in MapQuest, here's where I'm going, help me out. Now, I'm not old enough to remember maps. Some of y'all are old, old, and you're like, oh, MapQuest was technology. I pulled out a map. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> But when you wanted to get directions from MapQuest, you would go on there, and the first question they would ask you is, what's your destination? You had to type in the address of where you were going, and then it would ask you, what's your current location? I need to know where you want to go, and I need to know where you are. You give me those two pieces of information. I can chart a turn-by-turn -turn course from here to there. Thank God technology has advanced, and now we have GPS in our car. And I think as technology advances in the world, the universal IQ decreases. The more my phone learns, the less I need to know. 
It is so bad, I do not even know my wife's phone number. All I know is it says baby in the phone. If I click on baby, she pops up on the other side. I don't memorize anything. And so I'm to the point now where I don't drive anywhere without first putting it in the GPS on my phone. Here's my destination. Here's my current location. Get me there. And you know, you could pick kind of what voice your GPS talks to you. And I don't know the other men in the room, but I picked a woman's voice because I don't want no man telling me where to turn in my own car. Get your own car and tell yourself where to turn. So I've got the woman's voice, and she says, coming up at 100 feet, make a left or make a right. But you know, I am a man, so I can't listen every time she tells me what to do. So she'll say, take a left at the next street. And I'm like, no, I think it's two streets down, and I'll skip the street. GPS lady tells me to turn, and my GPS will catch an attitude with me. And she will say, fine, recalculating. And it'll give you a map-by-map direction of how do I get from where I am to the destination that I need. I find a lot of life, particularly from God's Word, He can give you a turn-by-turn map on how to get from where you are to where you want to be. Do you have a desired destination for your marriage? Because God's Word has a turn-by-turn direction on how to get there. I want to be madly in love after 40 years of marriage and not just after four years of marriage. I I want to raise godly children. I want to leave a legacy to my grandchildren. The Word of God has a road-by-road map on how to get to that destination. It 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 has things in God's Word like, hey, love covers a multitude of mistakes. A A righteous man or a righteous woman overlooks when the toilet seat gets left up. Come on now, esteem others' needs higher. The Bible will give you a step-by-step process to building a great marriage. God's Word has a step-by-step process of how to build great finances. Live on less than you make. Scatter your seed in multiple places. He will walk you through how do I get out of debt and maximize the resource that God's given me. God's Word even will give you a step-by-step process. How do I get in shape? How do I live in a healthy manner? How how do I eat less and work out more? Somebody say amen. Or how how do I gain weight so I can be swole like Pastor Derek? That's my, I need the Holy Spirit for that. That's my goal right now. Here's just my thought. I have an intended destination for my marriage. I have an intended destination for for my finances, for, for my fitness. But do I have an intended destination for my relationship with God? What's my goal when it comes to my faith? Where am I going? Because the Bible says where there is no vision that people live a little reckless. They they cast off restraint. And if we don't have a destination for our faith, we're going to see that our walk with God becomes dormant. Now, I find for some people, the destination for their faith is one thing. I don't want to go to hell. That's my whole plan. Notice I didn't say I want to go to heaven. They said heaven would be nice, but all I want is not to go to hell. In my whole life, my grandma told me I'm going to split hell wide open based on the way I'm living. I don't want to go to hell. And by the way, that's not a bad plan. I would not advise you go there. That would just be my helping you out. Here's the problem. After I surrender my life to Jesus, 
After the blood of Jesus washes my sin, and as far as the east is from the west, removes my... Once heaven is secure for me, if that was my only goal, then I now have nothing in my faith to pursue after. I'm just sitting around and waiting to die, and it breaks my heart because there's so many Christians that are just sitting around waiting to die. Because the only thing I needed Jesus for was for fire insurance. And then you find people in a position, ah, I don't need to go to church. Uh, I, I've got my salvation. I'm good. I'll, you know, go a few days or whatever it may be. But, but if I could find something better to do, I'll do that because I've got what I wanted from God. You've got the wrong destination. Some people, their destination is, I just don't want to let God down. I'm trying to live holy. I'm, I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to live a life that God would be pleased of. Can I help you out? You can't let God down because you were never propping him up. We, we, we want to live holy, we want to live set apart, but not because we're trying to earn something from God that he has already freely given us. So many Christians are trapped in a performance-based Christianity, and it adds stress to your life instead of bringing grace and peace to your life. What is my goal? What is the destination that I'm pursuing in my relationship with God? Here's what the Bible says about Samuel, and here's my goal. It says, so Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. What's the destination for my marriage that when we have our 40th and 50th wedding anniversary, that we are just as in love, if not more in love, as we are right now? What's my goal with my relationship with God, that I am madly in love with God, that he is with me? every step that I take. Now, here's the deal. That's not just objective. I think God's with me. The Bible says there's evidence of whether he is or he isn't. And here it is. And he let none of his words fall to the ground. Another way of saying that is in Mark chapter 16, verse 20. And the disciples went everywhere preaching, watch this, and the Lord was with them. Somebody say, the Lord is with me. How do we know? Because he confirmed what they said by the miracles that followed their message. We've been in this series called Pour It Out, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, on our lives, prompting us, leading us. And here's what God desires for us, that we live a life where the miraculous power of God is evident in every step that we take. Here's my goal as a believer, that every room I walk into, I'm not walking into that room by myself. But the presence and the power of God is entering in that room. And not just me knowing it, but it being evident in everything that I do. That's what God has for you. Come on now. Hey, business leader, God wants that when you walk into that boardroom, that it's evident to everybody else by the wisdom, by the strategy, by the ideas that you bring. This didn't just come from a man. There's something divine. There's something that's on this individual's life. Come on, school teacher. Come on, whoever you are, nurse, doctor. God doesn't just want you to walk in as you. He wants you to walk in with the presence and the power of God on your life. Here's what Moses said when God gave Moses all that he asked for. Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. 
Can we just have a moment of conviction? If you could get everything you prayed for, but you got it without God, would you take it? Because Moses said, I don't just want the promise, I want the promise keeper. Come on, single folks. Are you praying just for a spouse in a marriage? Are you praying for a marriage that God's presence is on, that he is in the middle of? Moses said, I don't just want the promise, but I want his presence with me. He said, don't bring us up. For how then will it be known that your people, that I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. I want to take the next three hours that I have for this message. <laughs> Five people just ran for the door. I'm joking. It's only two hours. We'll be all right. And I want to teach you how to walk in confidence that the Holy Spirit is not just some goosebumps I feel in a service. It's not just some tingle down my spine when my favorite song is played. But the same power that the Bible says that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of me. And I have access to that power every single day of my life. Can I give you a word? It's the word anointing. You ever, you ever heard people say, oh, they're, they're so anointed. That, that singer is anointed. That preacher, can I help you? Anointing is not just for the platform. Anointing is the Holy Spirit at work in every single person's life. Anointing is when I get God-sized results from my natural efforts. And that's what God has for every single one of us. But where does the anointing come from? Here, here, here's what anointing is. It is my confidence level that when I speak, heaven responds. How confident are you that when you walk into a room, the power of God walked in that room with you? How confident are you that when you look at a problem, it's not just you looking at the problem, but it's the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit inside of you that is addressing that problem. That is the level of anointing, and there are levels. So look at your neighbor and say, there's levels to this. Come on, tell, tell somebody, there's levels to this. My goal is to help you walk at a high level of anointing. First thought is just write this down. How do I increase my confidence in the Holy Spirit in me? This is the first thing. Understand that he is the same person. The Holy Spirit is the same person that you have encountered if you have encountered him. Now, I grew up in a church that would be like the opposite of Connect Church. I grew up in what I call an Acts 19.2 church. Acts 19.2 is when the Apostle Paul came to a church and he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed? And the church responded by saying, what Holy Spirit? We didn't get a poured out series. We've never even heard there was a Holy Spirit. That's the church I grew up in. We didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. We didn't preach about the Holy Spirit. We thought anybody who talked about the Holy Spirit was weird and flopped on the floor and didn't know their Bibles. That's kind of how I grew up. And because I was a Christian, but I did not have the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, my faith in God looked like a roller coaster. I'm going to preach this message, and I'm going to get on a plane, and I'm going to go home, so I'm going to offend you. Is that Okay. Some of y'all in this room, some of you watching online, your faith is like a roller coaster. Monday, you're up full of faith. God is good. Tuesday, you're all the way down. God, why have you forsaken me? Wednesday, God is moving in my life. 
Thursday. God, who? (laughs) And here's why. This Christian walk was never designed to be lived out in your own strength. It is impossible to muscle your way to holiness. You need the power of God that takes you, the Bible says, from glory to glory to glory to glory. Remember one Sunday, uh, a missionary from Guyana came to our church, and he preached some message, and I'm not going to even hold you. I don't even remember what he preached. All I know is at the end of the message, he said, if you want the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, come forward and let me pray for you. Remember, we didn't grow up in a laying on of hands church. Nobody fell over unless they passed out and we called an ambulance. Like, that's not how our church rolled. And next thing I know, people started to come forward. Now, I'm going to talk about church, folks, because that's what pastor's kids do. But I'm not talking about anybody at this church. We're talking about the church down the street, okay? There's certain people that they're just emotional. You know what I mean? Like, first song, ah, God is good. And if those people fall over, you're just like, whatever. They'd fall over if Santa Claus laid hands on them. I'm not buying that. Those aren't the people that came forward this Sunday. I'm talking about the trustees came forward, deacons, men and women who were established in their faith. So when they moved, I moved. I was like, well, if they're going, I'm going. And this, this missionary, he starts laying hands on people. And, yo, people started hitting the ground like pancakes. I mean, just boom, 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 boom. And I'm, I'm over here like, oh, my gosh. What, what? I've never seen this before in my and By the way, it blows my mind that we think it's weird that the power of God can knock somebody over. But we don't think it's weird that Jack Daniels can knock somebody over. Hello. We see somebody stumbling at a football game, we call that normal. But it happens that liquor cannot do what the Holy Spirit, come on now. And I'm sitting here, and I mean, they're falling like dominoes, and he's coming to me, and I'm like, oh, I'm about to catch the Holy Ghost. Here it comes. And he comes, and he lays hands on me, and he goes, fire. And I'm like, hit me again, hit me again. It didn't work. And he laid his fire, and I'm just like, and y'all, nothing happened. Now, I wanted to say he was a false prophet, but everybody else was on the ground. I was the only heathen standing there like, y'all, I was the worship leader. I was the pastor's son. I was like, oh, this is awkward. And I think he knew so too because he left. Y'all, I went home. I felt this big. I didn't catch the Holy Ghost. I'm like, am I even saved? I went up in my room. I felt so bad and then I heard that still small voice. I heard the Holy Spirit. He said, Stephen, do you want to know why you didn't receive anything? I said, because that missionary wasn't anointed. <laughs> he said, Stephen, I couldn't feel you because you were already full of yourself. My Ouch. Jeez. Right between the eyes, right? He said, Stephen, I have power for you. But right now in your life, you care more about what people think about you than what I think about you. And I can't give my power to somebody who is more connected with the person in front of them than they are with the God who loves them. And I'd like to say in that moment that I surrendered, but that ain't true. For that whole week, I wrestled with God over this area of surrender. You see, to have a true encounter with God, you've, you've got to surrender. 
and say, God, it's no longer I who run things in my life, but it's you. And lucky for me, the missionary came back the next Sunday, and I don't know what he preached again because I wasn't listening. I was just waiting for the end of the service, and thank God he gave the same altar call. He laid hands on me, and the power of God hit my life in a way that has shaped me for all of eternity. Job said this in Job 42, verse 4. He said, you said, listen, and I will speak. Let me put the questions to you. See if you can answer them. Here's what it says. But now I say, I had heard about you before, but now I have seen you. And I loathe myself and repent in dust and ashes. Some of you need an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit. You've heard about God, and you believe in God, and you've heard great men. But Job said this. He said, God, I heard about you, but now I've seen you for myself. There's going to be a prayer team after this service, and I let somebody pray for you. God, I need an encounter with you. Now, here's a wild thing. That story I just told, it happened when I was 16 years old. I'm 36. Y'all, that's 20 years ago. And for some of us, we can look back many years, and there were moments in our lives where we had an encounter with God, but we can't point to any recent encounters with God. Or maybe I had an encounter last Sunday, but now it's Wednesday, and I'm waiting for the next Sunday to feel those goosebumps that happens. No, no, no. The Bible says his mercies are new every single morning. You've got to understand, when you wake up in the morning, the Holy Spirit is sitting on the edge of your bed saying, Dag, did you have to hit the snooze button four times? I've been waiting for you to get up. Before you get the kids ready, before you rush out to this meeting, can we spend some time together? You see, it's that daily encounter with the Holy Spirit that puts a confidence on me that when I'm walking out this door, it's not just Stephen walking out, but it is the power of Almighty God that is walking with me. And it doesn't matter what I face in this day because I have a God that's not going to let one word I speak drop to the ground. The second thought is this. Write this down. His word produces confidence. How do I become confident? That the power of God is accessible in my life. The second thing is through God's word. John chapter 1 verse 1 says this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it Everything that God created, he created through the word. Can I confuse you? That's not your job. You're supposed to make it simple. No, I'm just going to confuse you. We serve one God who manifests himself in three parts. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Amen. And here's how creation went. God the Father said, let there be light. And Jesus, who is the word, created light. He said, let there be land. And Jesus, everything that God the Father's, everything we see created was created through the word of God. And the Bible says that Jesus is the word. Even if it doesn't make sense, you say, okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. (laughs) So how do I know what power I have access to? Can I help you out? The only power you have access to is what the word of God says you have access to. So the word of God says you have access to healing, so you have the power of healing in you. 
The word of God says that you have the power of faith, so you have the power of faith in you. The word of God says you have the power of knowledge and counsel and, and signs. And anything that God's word says, you have access to. If God's word doesn't say it, you don't have access to it. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's the conundrum. You've got to know God's word to know what you have access to. And one of the reasons why we're not confident about the power of God in our life is because we don't know what God's word says we have. And here's what's even worse. As much as we don't know what God's word says, we're really connected to what the enemy says. So the enemy says it's terminal and has an x-ray to back it up and a second and a third opinion. And because the enemy has said it's terminal and has three medical doctors that have proven it, I forget what the word says is by his stripes I have been healed. And the television says that the dollar is dropping and interest rates are increasing and we're heading into another recession and we're all screaming, ah, the ship is going down. But God's word said that he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider, that he has never seen the righteous forsaken nor their children begging for bread. I've got to know the word if I'm going to know the power that I have access to. In, in, any people addicted to shopping like I am? You just, you just, I'm a, somebody said, well, it's not an addiction because I have no interest in breaking it. It is just a part of my life. I have been in this Boston area for all of about 24 hours, and I've already found every mall that you people have, and they're actually pretty nice. It was a good day yesterday. <laughs> Dave Ramsey, a financial advisor, he said, you know, most people, when people get married, you'll have a saver and a spender, and they'll marry each other. He missed my marriage. <laughs> we don't have a saver and a spender in my marriage. We have a spender and a worst spender. We just missed the saver altogether. Me and my wife, nine out of ten date nights, it's at a mall, and we're walking through somebody's Nordstrom or somebody's someplace, and, and we're just grazing, trying to see what we missed last week. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you ever been in a mall, and, and you see a jacket or a shirt or a pair of shoes or whatever it may be, and you're like 75% sure you want to buy it, but you're not quite there yet? And you go to the cashier, and you say, hold this for me. I'll be back in 20 minutes. Am I the only one? And then you go, you walk around the mall, you talk yourself into it, even though you shouldn't. And you come back, you're like, all right, where is the jacket? And next thing you know, they're like, what jacket? <laughs> I said to hold it. And what do they say? Well, everybody says to hold it. I didn't think you were coming back. Sometimes that's what we do to the promises of God. He said, here's healing. It's in you. Hold it. Here's provision. It's in you. Hold it. Here's faith, it's in you, hold it. Here's, here's the power of God, and then here comes the enemy, and here comes the economy, and here comes news, and we release the promise not knowing that God said, if I said it, I will do it. It is guaranteed. If you're going to keep the confidence that the power of God is in you, you've got to hold God's word above any other word you encounter. Number three is this, and we'll blow through this. God will give you a model. Samuel had Eli to introduce him to the voice of God. Joshua had Moses. Paul had Timothy. Who are you modeling after? When you say, I have a goal of walking in the power of God every single day of my life, who are you watching to see what it looks like? 
can I just help you out a little bit? Because if you're making it up as you go along, you're going to be weird. You ever met a weird Christian? You might be sitting next to him. Don't just look straight ahead. Just... The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are. And people get weird when they get disconnected from the body that God's called them to. And they get out of alignment from the authority that God's placed over them. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 says this. For though you might have 10,000 Instagram preachers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mixed that up. I mixed that up. Okay, let me read this again. Though you may have 10,000 YouTube messages in Christ. You got 10,000 instructions. By the way, there's nothing wrong with listening to other people's preaching. Here's what Paul said. You don't have many fathers. For in Christ, Paul said, I have begotten you through the gospel. Hear me. You didn't get to pick your natural family. Somebody say amen. amen. So like, I wish I could. but <laughs> You don't get to pick your spiritual family either. This is where God placed you. This is where God is moving in your life. And if you're going to maximize your relationship with God, you have to say, Pastor Derek, Pastor Stacy, they're the ones that I'm imitating my life after. The small group leader or the ministry that I'm a part of, I'm watching how they walk in the power of God. And I'm learning, but I refuse to make it up as I go along. You decide to be a Lone Ranger Christian, you will not see all that God has for you said, I have authority because I'm under authority. Last thing is this. Write this down. Nothing happens until you do. So here's what I'm trying to get to you. I'm trying to get you to the place where you're confident, where you're convinced. The Holy Spirit is in me. The power of God is on me. Wherever I go, God comes, and whatever I say, the Holy Spirit will back up. I've discovered I could be in his presence all I want. I could pray all I want. I could be under authority all I want. But at some point, I've got to test it out. I've got to see, is this power thing on my life for real? And it's going to be as awkward as it was for Samuel to tell his mentor, God's left you and his presence is on me. I remember one of those first kind of awkward power of God moments I had. I, I, I was at a signorama picking up church signs. I wasn't in church service. I wasn't in a church building. I was at a signorama picking up church signs. And, and I walk in, and I'm like late as always. I've got to grab my signs and get to my next meeting. And I come in, and the cashier who's ringing up the signs has broken her ankle. And she's limping around. Ah, ah, ah. And you've got to understand, when you've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, where you know that God is a healer, and you see somebody that needs healing, the Holy Spirit just starts messing with you. And he's like, Stephen, you need to pray for her. And I'm having this conversation with the Holy Spirit in Sinorama. I said, no, this isn't church. This is not where you pray for people. This is not where people get healed. She's going to think I'm weird. Can I help you out? It's only weird if it doesn't work. And I'm sitting there fighting with the Holy Spirit. You know you lose an argument with the Holy Spirit when he stops talking to you. It's like when your mama said, you heard me. So I'm like, I better obey. <laughs> so I said, hey, you, you can see from the sign, I, I go to a church. I'm actually the pastor of the church. And I know your ankle's hurting. Do you mind if I pray for you? She's like, oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> she comes limping around the cash register. I laid my hands on her shoulder. Y'all, I prayed the weakest prayer you've ever heard in your life. 
I was like, Father God, you said that the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of me. God, I pray that you'd heal this woman's ankle in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. That was it. Y'all, guess what happened? Nothing. She walked back around, ah, 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 thank you. Grabbed my sign, got out of there as fast as I, once again, felt this big. I'm like, man, God, I guess I'm not holy enough. It didn't work. I came back the next week to pick up signs that weren't ready the first time. As soon as I opened the door, she screamed, oh, my gosh, you would not believe it. My ankle is healed. I went back to get x-rays. There was no break, no evidence of break. The pain is gone. She said, I don't know, but you healed me. Y'all are clapping. I was mad. I'm like, Holy Spirit, why couldn't you have done it when I was there to make me feel good? And he's like, I'm going to humble you and heal at the same time. Here's what I've discovered. If I'll just step out, the power of God will respond. I don't got to be some super evangelist. I don't have to be some superhero Christian. I don't, thus saith the Lord. He don't need all that. He just needs somebody who's been in his presence who's aware of his power and would dare say, God, I'm available. Will you use me? Can I challenge you? Challenge number one, host his presence every morning before you leave your house. It may be five minutes, it may be 15 minutes, but don't rush out that door until you have an encounter with God and gain the confidence that when you walk out, he's walking out with you. And be bold enough for God to give you God moments. I'm not saying you have to pray for the sick, but maybe the Holy Spirit will say, hey, just encourage a coworker. Hey, 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 buy something for this person while you're out or what. If we would learn to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, hear me, signs, wonders, and miracles will mark the journey of our lives. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. amen. Hey, let me pray for you. Father God, we're grateful. God, we are thankful that you didn't just save us and leave us waiting for eternity. But God, you desire to use us to walk with us every step of our journey. Right where you're sitting with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And allow God to make this moment, to make this message personal to you. Maybe you're in the room or watching online right now and, and you need a miracle. There, there's sickness in your body or a problem at home or work or whatever. In this moment, God is here for you and moving in your life. Maybe God is convicting you and saying, hey, it's time to look for those God moments throughout your week. Or, or maybe you're like me and if you'd be honest, you would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus the way you're talking about. When I say like me, what I mean is I grew up in church but for so many years didn't have a relationship with the God of the church. Maybe you're new to an atmosphere like this and you would say, I, I don't have faith the way you're talking about, but I need it. If that's you, you can respond to Jesus right now. I'm not gonna have you stand up or come up front, but right where you're sitting, you say, I need Jesus in my life. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me, for wanting me. Thank you for dying on the cross that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. In this moment, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person? Let's worship God together.